0: Everyone, welcome back to the Contextual Insurgent Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Smith, and I'm joined once again by Tech with Tech Bertito. Mr. So we were just actually listening to uh, a podcast with Bishop Barron and Shia LaBeouf. Um, in case you're not aware, it's he's got a film. You know, of course, he's the actor uh, most notably known from recently with uh, the "He Will Not Divide Us" project, the one where they were getting. You know, he's putting the flag around the country and 4chan was endlessly trolling him by triangulating star picture, like the star locations to figure out where on the planet they were and like sounds of like crickets. And it was pretty crazy. It was a really interesting example of the sort of geolocation that can happen with incredibly sparse information, just like a still shot of, of one narrow location. People were figuring out where exactly located it was exactly by using just really really wild amount of uh lack of information um but yeah anyway anyway um he you know of course he was pretty 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 much kind of a nutcase at that point it was really interesting because the guy was full-on resist um type blue and on, atheism and and everything like that well anyway he he made a film he was working on this film recently because of course well to back it up you know shia labeouf has kind of gone off the rails he was going off the rails with the he will not divide project but he kept further going off the rails and he's you know being uh accused of all sorts of improprieties and you know kind of uh, basically not being mentally stable in public well one thing led to another and I, I will actually link the podcast in the description you can watch the whole thing i highly recommend it um it's it's a truly moving um Podcast, but it's about um, his conversion to Catholicism, which was you know driven by multiple things, but you know mainly the film he's working on or he just finished that should be released soon, uh, Padre Pio, which is a Catholic saint, um, and in the 20th century, I think he died in 1968, uh, but he was also like a mystic and you know he had stigmata, uh, you know, and he was now he became venerated. Now he's a saint, but the whole experience. Of preparing for the role on top of everything else that was going wrong in his life You know, sort of, you know, pushed him back towards becoming religious But it was really interesting because he he was bringing up, you know, we are talking about Sam Harris yesterday And he mentioned Sam Harris several times He was part of that group of the, the TEDx talk And the new atheism group that, or the movement that Sam Harris was one of the main figures in and it was really interesting to hear him talk about um, the reasons he leaned that way, and you know why he clung to it so tightly was a lot of the emptiness that was going on in his life, and um, the philosophical and emotional and spiritual emptiness he was wrestling with, and you know how it led him back to becoming religious. But you know, especially since we were talking about it in the last episode, we did talk about Sam Harris, and you know the Sam Harris is just obsessed with. You know, he has kind of gone off the rails as well. And like some of the, you know, the whole thing we talked about where he said he doesn't care if Hunter Biden had children corpses in his basement as long as he got Trump out. You know, the red tribe people, you know, Trump supporters and a lot of the mainstream Republicans now are the equivalent of being a meteor that we have to try. He he has to try to avoid, um, you know, with a conspiracy to... Redirect this meteor from its path. Um, And we're we're talking about a lot of the dehumanization rhetoric that's happening and the eliminationist rhetoric, and how Sam Harris was kind of completely out of touch with uh, a a lot of this stuff and just kind of how off the rails it was. But it was really interesting to hear, you know, we're listening to this whole podcast today with um, Sam Harris, you know, with Shia LaBeouf kind of basically disavowing that brand of. you know thinking and a philosophy of life because um, of where it led him to and it's it's really kind of an interesting bookend to like hear the sam harris podcast where he was saying these things um the trigonometry podcast and he was you know dehumanizing basically everyone who opposed him or you know and then you have Charlotte buff who's like i'm i've given up on this i'm a catholic now and you know this is incredibly moving and and the sort of uh Mindset that Sam Harris is still clinging to is something that leads to some very dark places. Um, what do you what do you think there, Tech Bra? I know you, we were talking about this earlier. Well, it's it's important bookend to understand.
1: Uh, Shia Buff responds to Trump, of course, with he no, will not divide his campaign, and so his campaign is that in fact division is problem is bad thing, and so the thing we can unite around is not being divided, and this of course then leads to people uh, attempting to to either throw division or to, to sort of prove him wrong and to prove that people actually would unite to stop a he-will-not-divide-us campaign. But that's, that's, you know, that's, that's actually a little esoteric. Point is, his meaning was around an anti-Trump campaign. He was trying to find meaning in a completely uh, negatory, um, you know, negative idea that he will not divide us. And this became you know big thing. This became his, his cause, and he was looking for meaning in it. You know and Sam Harris, I think his podcast has a meaning in the name uh you know search for meaning or something like this, and so the point is he was looking for meaning he's a searcher actually, and he he felt very strongly about such he was and he had to basically break to and find that this meaning didn't mean anything to find something deeper and to find a more holistic experience as he says in the in podcast
0: yeah it's um it was really incredibly moving and in and I felt uh you know it was a serious repudiation of that and you know this is someone like me who I can sort of understand it because you know I kind of identified as agnostic for a long time kind of an atheist leaning agnostic and you know I could see a lot of that search for meaning um that's something you know Sam Harris and Shia LaBeouf were both big into but it was leading them sort of in the wrong direction um and you sort of see this you know you can definitely see that when you look at kind of the mess he made of his life and um, the kind of the, the places that Sam Harris's is, is philosophy is leading him to. And it, it kind of almost seems like it's a bit of an obsessive act because Sam Harris is, you know, I, I can almost sense some doubt creeping in with him and he has to cling even more tightly to this, which is how he gets these deranged types of arguments of, you know, and that was that other other thing he said where, you know, Osama bin Laden was was, intrinsic, was more understandable and less evil to him than Donald Trump. Um, there is, like, this negatory type of thing that Sam and Shia were kind of that, that path they were going down, which is, you know, it's not so much for something. It's like they want to oppose Trump, they want to oppose God, they want to oppose faith, but then you see exactly where that leads them to. It leads them very you know, these these dark areas. I am um, trying to avoid being esoteric, because part of me wants to veer off and talk about, like, Rene Girard and the scapegoat mechanism and mimetic desire and all these sorts of things, which I kind of feel like, you know, there, there's an angle for that, but I don't want to... I'm trying to be a little bit more... a little bit more uh, normie-friendly at this point. <laughs> what else do you think there, Tito?
1: Well, like there is, there is, there is a case to, for little things to be touched upon. But like, what was what I found most interesting is um, Shia, Shia Buff was talking about his um, his his approach to acting, and so he was asked, oh, are you a, a method actor? Well, of course you do. You try to live as character." And he actually um, he says, "No, I'm not. That's not too intellectual for me." And he actually criticizes. I believe Jared Leto as uh, as Joker in. Um, the more, more recent uh, Suicide Squad was supposed to have sent a dead rat to one of his uh, co-workers or something like that to inhabit the role, and he's just like, that's just nasty. That's just wrong. But what's interesting was he said that he was you know the new atheist TED Talk, um, Sam Harris crowd, but he said that his approach to acting is not intellectual in all this. And so in many ways, I think like you know, he's essentially repudiating the attempt to think your way out of um, a lack of meaning, and he's, you know, he's he's embracing uh, just just a feeling, and he says it's more of a feeling kind of thing, and so. This is this is again one of the interesting things about Sam Harris. Sam Harris was talking about everything very rationally, making a rational case for opposing Trump, and yet you could see that this was a, an emotional reaction with no ownership of emotionality of reaction or why this was was problem. You know, only only defense he has is that the institutions must exist. If you ask why institutions are more important than people of country and all this, um. Maybe he could give a rational explanation, but the only rational explanation he would give would be inherently an inhuman destruction. That that uh, that you know, inhuman things matter more than humanity.
0: I think you know that's that's a good point, and that reminds me. Um, Is yeah, it's true because you can see Jan- you could see Sam Harris when he was making those statements. You could see him emoting, like he was trying to rationalize a very deep, visceral, emotional feeling, and I kind of sense that that the denial of those sorts of instinctive reactions and emotional reactions with a lot of this, this rationalism and the new atheist type movements, it, it doesn't replace those feelings, it simply subsumes them and then they start to actually just, you know, the rationalists end up rationalizing these this visceral feeling that's driving them because they can't even acknowledge the emotionality of what they're experiencing. Um, the thing, it sort of reminds me. It's really interesting because one of the places that that Shia went to, the the person who actually taught him the Latin Mass is it's it's one of the Catholic churches that I went to, that my friends went to in the Bay Area, and that I went to several times. I really enjoyed it for their Latin Mass. They have the, you know the, the the Christ the King Apostolate, and that was one of the ones that Shia was going to, and he was working with with the priest there. Um, and it was really interesting because for me, you know, um, I was Methodist and ended up kind of falling into atheistic agnosticism, which I well I interpreted it that way. But instead, it was something more that you know I would describe looking back in hindsight as more of a spiritual dryness, which is something that even um, Mother Teresa and like some of the like Thomas Aquinas they all felt that sort of thing, which is not really quite the same. Thing of, of being agnostic or atheist, but to to get to the point there with that is, I was never really interested or attracted because as being from the from the deep south, you know, it's it's a very evangelical place, and even though I was raised and confirmed in Methodism, which is more of a mainland Protestant um, sort of deal, and but still, it's very extremely evangelical environment, and it, it that's an incredibly visceral form of Christianity, but I was never really attracted to it because it, I never felt like it had a truly intellectual depth to it. Like, there, there's not any, because, um, you know, people need that. Like, it's, it, I think people are different. This is something that Shia talked about, was people need different things in different proportions. Um, that never attracted me precisely because I never felt there was any true... Intellectual depth involved with a lot of the evangel- evangelical thought, and then you know my one of my friends in Arash um, took me to his church, and you know we spent a lot of time talking, and I, I talked to his priests. And um, Catholicism has a truly amazing intellectual tradition. It's something, and and I think that's what I enjoyed the Latin Mass. And I understand where Shia was coming from with that, is because. It's a truly ancient rite and it's incredibly moving and it's an incredibly visceral thing that really kind of digs in your gut when you experience it. But at the same time, you can, you know, there's the papal encyclicals you can read on every conceivable subject under the sun and it's some some of the just most intelligent, insightful writing you'll ever find into the human condition. So there's, you know, you've got the balance is, is, you know, the balance is perfect. You've got the visceral experience of this religious tradition, but there is some of the most smartest, well-educated men have been aligned with this institution for 2,000 years now. And, you know, he didn't quite say it in that way, but I could see him talking about it, how he needed that emotive. Because this is, again, he said, you know, the Sam Harris TED Talk stuff. He specifically cited that multiple times and how it just was insufficient. Just having that r- reason and rationality and pure logic was insufficient, and he needed that sense that sensation and that feeling, and that's what the Latin Mass gave to him. Um, it really sort of, and and it was really sort of. It, I'm glad we listened to that because it was um, a good insight into helping fill out some of the things we talked about yesterday with Sam Harris. What Sam, where's Sam Harris and people like him are coming from, and what they're missing. Um, denial of the human experience and the, the human emotive experience and trying to reduce yourself to some calculating robot. You see this where Sam is struggling and he's trying to frame something. He can't even say, I just hate this person because I just feel that way. or you know, He's got to articulate it in ways that are basically absurd. Like when he tried to compare Trump University and said, nothing on that laptop was anything as bad as Trump University. And like Trump University was like, at worst, it was just kind of like you know, <laughs> an MLM type thing or a used car. It was basically the the financial course equivalent of a used car lot. Versus a laptop that seems to imply you know a the second most powerful official in the U.S. government is literally selling access and policy preferences. At the time, to and now, now currently most powerful currently the most powerful, but at the time. You know, the second most powerful, but on paper and, and the most that, w- and
1: that if we knew this, that people would know that they were going to elect a, the second most powerful man, who's corrupt, who's corruptly peddling influence to become the most powerful man to sort of peddle influence in current geopolitical hotspots that we knew we'd be embroiled with, like in, like Ukraine, that would be very relevant, like getting involved in nuclear war with Russia, while he has financial interests in 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 country that that would help spark war. This is majorly relevant.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it, it indeed is, and like the the reality that Sam Harris had to struggle with it and and to formulate such an argument that is patently absurd. And it was it's funny to watch the video because you can see the trigonometry guys, you know, th- their faces are just look completely polaxed that someone's trying to make that argument to them, because it's it's just absurd on its face, and the things he was saying it was just you know, one of the, it's just, it's wild to look at. Um, And the thing is, and it sort of leads into the other point where a lot of people criticize Trump, which is Trump is a very ungodly man, because look at his past, look at his record. And I think this is a way to tie, you know, kind of where Shia and Trump end up being far more similar than than they are dissimilar, which is deeply ironic looking where they started. You know, both of them are deeply flawed people. And, you know, even if Trump was a massive sinner, which he obviously is, by any really realistic Christian perspective, you know the, the thing is Christians, I think, can support him. I mean, there's there's this sense of, um, and it's ironic to hear this coming from people that uh, are more from the Evangelical tradition, who don't believe in uh, work-based theology, who you know completely dismiss that sort of thinking. But are simultaneously upset because Trump's a massive sinner, and you know he's done these things in his past with his life. And why could Christians, you know, back someone like that? When it's it's very because you look at like for example like Mitt Romney. A lot of the very centrist, like never Trump type evangelical people love Mitt Romney because he presents this this facade of being this you know kind of normie friendly christian evangelist or not an was mormon but in the sense of being someone who is you know virtuous but the reality is it's like the you know when you look at someone's life and you try to categorize them that way i mean christianity is filled with deeply flawed people who nonetheless you know god chose to be their you know to be their vessel of good in the world and and the whole thing with trump is too is like trump doesn't seem to like you know, I, I think it's okay for Christians to back Trump because he doesn't have the naked contempt for Christians that you see a lot of other people out there do.
1: Well, and and at, at the end of the day, let me cut the heart of it because most people won't say it this way. Let me say it very simply. I will take a sinner like Trump with with Trump University and all those things over a born again Christian like George W. Bush who slaughters you know how many how many. Uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Iraqis affected the Middle East and all this kind of stuff Americans being sent home in body bags and all this over uh, fake weapons of mass destruction. I don't care that he's a born again Christian. I care about the effects on the people you know it, it, not this it, is not supposed to be bible podcast, you know as you as you say, King David was not a good man you know sending sending uh, specifically he he's t- he's, he sends a uh, sends a man into into a certain death basically because he wishes to uh, to to have sex with to have sex and marry his wife. Not good people. This is like and God's elect, are not good people all, oftentimes as leaders. But this is, you know, but that's, that's besides point. Point is, what matters is how he leads a people as opposed to his personal salvation. I don't care about personal stuff On a personal level, I care, but not as a governed subject do I care about personal salvation.
0: That's a good point. I mean, that's something, you know, we're just touching on with a lot of um, Christian history. It's just these deeply flawed people who nonetheless— were used for for things much greater than themselves, and I, I sense that with Trump. Trump's not. I don't, I don't. I think he's a deeply flawed human being. He may have some sort of element of faith in him. It's not. He doesn't live in a you know in a textbook godly fashion. But he doesn't have you know. He doesn't seem to openly, nakedly despise Christians. He doesn't seem to work actively against Christian interests. At least you know a lot of the. We won't talk about some of the the centrist, like uh, the the part of Christianity that's being more and more subsumed into wokeness. But in terms of like, you know, the the mainstream American Christian tradition, that's you know goes back to the founding. He seems to be more those people who hold that tradition. He seems to have much more you know concern and care for for their their well-being and, and what they wish and, and I think that goes a long way deeply flawed people are, can be used for great things and, and that's where Shia I think comes in is like this is a person who's deeply flawed and has you know, committed many sins in his life and he's you know his emotionality and watching him struggle with that during this podcast was really moving for me and there's an, uh, that's where I sense really there's an element of Trump's story and Trump's arc that you see that with Shia do you have any other little quick thoughts? Yes.
1: We're gonna make this a short one. Yeah, very. Yeah, sh- uh, it, like you said, that we can we can always we can have conversations that aren't aren't you know big galaxy brain things. Yes, um, you know the thing that the thing that is missing about Sam Harris is Sam Harris you know offers essentially salvation or a sort of personal individualist kind of thing at best you can maybe may, may say it's humanist but it's not humanist and that's 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 the lie of humanism of course he reduces people Trump supporters uh, anybody who supports Trump to millions of morons who, again, don't have agency and, and do not need to be consulted. Trump himself, for a phenomenon of actually wrecking agencies that may be opposed to these people's interests, are giant meteor. Again, not cockroaches, not, not, not rats, which were both rhetoric of uh, incredibly bloody, nasty genocides with, with no quarter given. This is actually more dehumanizing. So to talk about Sam Harris as humanist is simply untrue, because he's reducing humans to inanimate objects. Not again! Not even not even low life forms, but inanimate objects on a sort of Buddhist scale. They're even lesser. So point is, uh, it's not humanist. And you know, Shia LaBeouf, I think, you know, talking about the tradition, he yearns for meaning about how people interact and the greater uh, thing as outside himself and sort of what civilization and what humanity is there for in a grander context. And, you know, to some degree, this is what Trump represents. He represents a nation. He represents uh, American interests, not some global empire that is not about people's interests. And that's the thing is the inhuman global empire is putting institutions above people.
0: On that note, I think that's a great one to, to great point to stop on, and thank you for your input, Tech Bro Tito. And that's it for today. We'll catch you all later. Assidovia.